You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What is going on, everybody? It is the last episode here on the Nine Finger Chronicles for 2020, and as far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing. Uh, I'm sitting here in my office editing this podcast, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm going to say we got close to eight inches on the, on the ground already, and uh, it's still snowing pretty hard here in Iowa, so... Uh, for anybody who is in the Midwest who, I don't know, might have a, a decent late season food source and your season may not be over yet, this snow could potentially help you. So, I don't know, just think about some options that uh, you could take advantage of in this late season time frame with all the snow on the ground. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it is the truth. Uh, so there's that. But today we have a really awesome episode. And anytime Justin Czar is on the podcast, we have a really good episode. And today is a straight up reflect and look forward episode where we talk about 2020. We BS about what we're going to do in 2021. I can't believe how shitty this year was but awesome at the same time and how fast that it went as well so we uh i don't know man it's just been a weird year i loved it and hated it all at the same time and i'm really looking forward to things to change and uh for the sportsman's nation to grow the uh, nine finger chronicles the hunting gear podcast all showed growth and i'm just really excited for what's coming in 2021 and 
the cool thing is, is the YouTube channel, right? I'm going to be putting on a cooking show. Uh, I don't know how good it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be some of my favorite rep, uh, venison and wild game and fish recipes. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, so this this episode, though, today with Justin is more or less of a BS session, but uh, we do a little reflecting. We talk about, uh, I don't know, goals. Did we accomplish our goals in 2021 or 2020? What are our goals for 2021? All that good stuff. So we do have to do a, a commercial real quick, and it is Vortex Optics. And uh, I, man, if you listen to this uh, podcast, you hear me talk about Vortex a lot and how awesome their optics are. This is uh, this is no bullshit. This is a, a company that participates in the space that they market to. These guys are knowledgeable about optics, but at the same time, knowledgeable on how to use their optics and what optics to use in different scenarios, whether you're a whitetail hunter, a western elk hunter, a mule deer hunter, antelope, you know, are you a gun hunter? Are you a tree stand hunter? Are you a bow hunter? All these different things, right? So uh, the people who work there are very knowledgeable. They can help you out. They ha- their, their optics are of the highest quality and they have price points for everybody. Spotting scopes, range finders, uh, rifle scopes, binoculars, anything you want, you can get it. And I would suggest calling them up or visiting their website, vortexoptics.com, and uh, taking advantage of all the information on their website. And at the same time, don't forget their VIP warranty. Now, get this. If you break it, all you have to do is send it back to them. They'll fix it and send it back to you for free. No charge. That's a win-win, and that's worth its weight in gold uh, for the life of your optics. So uh, take advantage of that as well. Other than that, my friends... I don't know. Happy New Year and uh, enjoy this episode in three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me once again, Mr. Justin Czar. What's up, brother? Hey, buddy. How you doing? How was your Christmas? Well, once again, I feel like I ate my weight in sugar and drank my weight in bourbon. So it was one of those types of christmases if that makes sense there's nothing wrong with either one of those things in my (laughs) opinion so it makes life worth living my friend right right so here's you know i don't know about what uh, you normally do on a christmas versus what you do what you did this year but during covid christmas yeah covid christmas this year my or normal years huge family gatherings right multiple three three of them you know, let's see, three or four of them. Uh, and they're, they're big, lots of people there. We play a lot of cards. They're active this year, two of them really. And they were just, you know, like real low key, real quick. Like we were at my dad's for three hours and then we left. So, um, typically, and the reason I say I drink my weight in bourbon is when I'm playing cards and interacting with family, I, I drink a lot slower but, but when I'm by myself, yeah, I just, you know, my kids are balls deep in their brand new presents, and I'm sitting on in the recliner. Uh, the bourbon goes down just a little bit faster. I understand. Somehow, I don't know how this happened to me this year, but I, I, 
came out relatively unscathed in the department of having to build crap for my kids uh, after Christmas. The last two years, it's been hell. Yeah. My daughter got one of those giant like doll houses a couple years ago, and it took me hours to put the thing together. <laughs> and uh, like, luckily this year was, I, I, I'm not sure I, I put anything together. Yeah. This year it was pretty freaking nice. But your kid, how old is your youngest? He is four. Four. Okay. So yeah. They're probably starting to get out of the have to put a whole bunch of shit together stage when it's more like electronics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's getting to be that. But it's also like the the poor little guy. He just gets all the big hand-me-downs from the older kids. So, like, I'm not, we're not rebuying, and we've learned our lessons too. Probably more selective when we're uh, when we're buying stuff for our kids. Like, mm, yeah. that one seems like it's going to be a bitch to put together. Let's go to the next thing on the list. Yeah. So, uh, on one of the last episodes, I talked to my buddy Nate Thomas from the Land and Lake, or excuse me, the Missouri Woods and Water uh, podcast, and, and he told me his wife bought three new bicycles, and he had to put all three of them together in the same day. So uh, <laughs> it's like hell. three and a half hours of putting bicycles together. I'll be honest with you, man, I, and I never take advantage of my my finger, uh, me not having a finger. Uh, I don't. I don't ever do it. But one time I walked into Target and I, I asked them if I could buy the floor model of this desk because I didn't want to have to put it together. Uh, and I I threw the feel sorry for me oh, because <laughs> it was I you know what I, I felt like crap. Uh, after I did it, not too bad, you know. It's just like I felt like crap. Do you have a handicapped placard in your vehicle? Or no. You get the handicapped parking. No. <laughs> no. Can you I use don't. a crossbow, Dan? I I probably could. <laughs> I probably I think I could actually. I think I could. Uh, Go for it. We'll but... we'll cut your subscribers in half by next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that comment about me using my, I guess I don't even know is is a missing finger a disability these days. Everything's a disability these days, Dan. Yeah, that's a fact. Doesn't matter. It's your mindset. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, kind of playing off of the eat too much food. Um, you know, you dropped some weight. Was that the beginning of this year? Yeah, but no way, dude. I put it. No, I didn't put it all back on. It's funny you say that because I was thinking as you were as you were mentioning mentioning. I've been pretty good. Yeah. So we did a, a couple of my buddies and I did like a. I'm like a biggest loser challenge thing a couple years ago. And I'm normally like, since I was like, I think I was 230 at the time. I think I got down to like the somewhere in the 190s, probably mid to high 190s by the end of that. Yeah. And I've been pretty good about hanging in like the high upper 190s, lower 200s, somewhere right around there. And that was like three years ago we did this. And uh, I've been, I've been pretty good. I've got up to like maybe 210 down to 190. I kind of fluctuate in this weird, like, 20 pound range and i'm definitely on the high side of that right now so i was already thinking like man after the holidays i need to i need to lay off the carbs a little bit it's it's been out of control yeah and um oddly enough so my two buddies is dustin decrew and matt miller we're on like a group text and we were texting over the holiday and they're like they're like man we need to do another you know, challenge. We're, we're getting pretty fat again. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. Cause I was going to, I was going to do it anyways. I'm just giving me a little bit more, more motivation since we're all kicking in some money. So I've just, we decided we're starting after the new year. So I've just been using the last like 
couple days to just carb up, oh, yeah. eat everything I can get my hands on. So I want to be as fat as possible during the weigh-in. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then hopefully we're I think we're going into like May first. We're giving it like a good four months. So we're gonna see see what happens in the next four months. Pretty it's actually kind of exciting. I I, I don't mind it. Yeah. So it'd be good be good for me. Well, I think I, I'm probably sitting at like if I had to guess, oh, man, I hope I'm not two fifteen right now, but I'm definitely at that two ten mark for sure. Yeah. So man, it was like uh for Father's Day uh, in 2020, my wife got me a uh, uh, a workout program. She goes she goes to this workout fitness center, and you know they jump up and down and lift weights, and they make you sweat, and they do kickboxing and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so she bought me that for Father's Day, and um, my first weigh in was 240 on the button, and uh, I was in bad shape. I mean, I was fat and gross, and. Uh, I was living that tree stand hunter lifestyle, if you want to put it that way. And, uh, and then in that eight week program, I got down to two twelve. So I dropped like 26 pounds or whatever in or 28 pounds, almost 30, you know, 30 pounds in that eight week session. And then hunting season started. So I wasn't going on those, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to class like I, I was, my diet kind of was shot because on the weekends or throughout the week, I'm, I'm, I'm basically just eating whatever I can when I can before I go to the tree stand or, or after the tree stand. So I, I'm no longer back on this diet. And then, you know, there's these periods of time where, okay, now I have to catch up on work uh, because I'm hunting. And then like the, the consistency of the workout and the consistency of the diet all kind of uh, went to shit. And now today, today for me, as we're recording this, today was my day one getting back on the wagon and uh, getting back so I can, you know, the goal is to just be in the greatest shape of my life come September when I go on my elk hunt. So that's the goal anyway. Nothing wrong with that. No. Good to have goals. It's all about the diet, man. I'll tell you that. Oh, it especially is. At our, especially at our advanced age now in our 40s <laughs> diet is the most important thing it is i man. think I, I read or heard something one time where somebody said like you can't outrun a bad diet no not anymore <laughs> and it's like that is so true and my house is littered with cookies and cakes and pies and christmas candy and just more shit than you can imagine right now dude that's the so, hardest part that's the hardest part for me is I got three kids, and my wife, she is really good at uh, only eating a little bit of something. Me, mm. I crush. I crush things. I'll eat it all. Yes. It's like, hey, uh, we need more ice cream. I just <laughs> bought a gallon the other day. Yeah, well, me, I got into it while I was watching Vikings. So, uh, you know, it is what it I is. I understand. Chips Ahoy. I think Oreos is my... My thing, but what I'll tell you is this much, like when I get started on this whole thing and like, I actually start, I've been pretty good about working. I've worked out this whole time. They shut our gym down for a while for COVID. It opened back up. Now we have some stupid mandate where we have to wear our mask, like while we're working out at the gym, which is just absolutely horrendous. It's like the worst thing in the world. So I've just been working out at home on the on exercise bike and kettlebells and stuff until the stupid thing is lifted. But I'll say like, once I get started and you start seeing results, like yeah. it, it's very motivating to keep going and not like, like you feel guilty. Like, Oh man, I went to the gym and I crushed it today. I did awesome. Like, and you come home and the thought of 
negating all that work by eating a bunch of Oreos. You're like, God damn it. Like, like I just went, I didn't do that for nothing. I can't come home and then cheat on my diet. So it kind of keeps me more honest when I'm doing both. So yeah, dude, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. I'm also the person who I'm financially motivated as well because I'm paying $90 a month for this thing. And my wife is paying $90 a month. So I could, I look at the box of cereal and, or whatever i you know, I, I, I got my choice from Hostess cupcakes or carrots. And I say to myself, well, I'm not paying 90 bucks to tread water. You know what I mean? So, you know, I can go to the carrots because I'm yep. kind of a cheap ass when it comes to stuff like that. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. All right. All so, good. so that's kind of like a, a fitness type thing that we were planning on both sounds like getting back into. But let's talk about 2020. It's been a shit show of a year kind of on, all over the place in the world. What are what are some of the highlights and lowlights, I guess, for for you, maybe in in the world of hunting, that uh, we can talk about? Sure, man. I, I mean, honestly, I had one of my best years ever hunting wise. Um, you know, started off killed a turkey in Illinois in the spring. I only got one. I hunted my ass off for a for a turkey this spring, and then finally did get one. But that was cool because my my oldest son was with me he was seven at the time so he was with me in the blind when i shot that bird so started off cool there you know summertime obviously was all kind of corona fest at that point we just spent a bunch of time on the on the lake and did a lot of fishing this summer which was cool um rolled into fall uh shot an antelope in wyoming which was awesome came home was supposed to go on an elk hunt in colorado that got canceled because everyone got covid in camp so that was probably the the low point of my season because we were halfway to Colorado when that happened. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Uh, the elk hunt got canceled, kind of only hunted Nebraska for a while, saw a big, huge buck, almost shot it. Uh, turns out someone else did shoot that deer later in the season in November and the, the outfitter we were hunting with sent us some pictures of it. Just a really cool deer. Um, whitetail season wise, like here in Illinois, man, it was awesome. Um, got my eight year old son, his first year, yeah. Um, on October 15th, he shot a, a little year and a half old buck. Then I killed a buck on October 28th, killed another one on November 7th. And I was done just like that. You know, it was like the blink of an eye. It felt like my season was over. So if anything, like uh, a low light would be, I didn't get to hunt as much as I normally do, uh, which was a weird kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's cool to be tagged out and it's awesome to have had a great season, but I'm, I'm missing the, the chase right about now. So was COVID to blame for the awkwardness in your schedule? I mean, for, for me, I got to, uh, I, I guess I probably could have pushed the envelope a little bit more to get out and hunt a little bit more, but I don't know. I, I decided not to and just stick with the, the main trips this year. I, I did get a chance to hop out a couple times during that, you know, October timeframe to, to try to you know, get something, you know, patterned or check trail cameras or do whatever, just to get out and hunt basically. So are you saying that you hunted less because of COVID or just life in general? Um, I think I hunted less cause I was out of buck tags, oh, gotcha. <laughs> you know, I would have, you know, my wife was surprisingly pretty cool about all my hunting this year. Not to say that I didn't hunt a lot. Cause I mean, I did between going to Wyoming and then ending up in Nebraska and then, you know, deer hunting back here at home, I just, you know, I was done on November 7th. So it effectively cut my season 
you know, two months, let's say shorter than it normally is. So, you know, after that November 7th, I haven't really hunted a ton. Yeah. Um, just because I honestly don't really need any more meat. My son keeps bugging me to, to go out. He wants to try to shoot a doe and, uh, I'm kind of just trying to put him off. Cause it's like, he already shot one deer. It's like, I, I don't want him to be too spoiled. I guarantee I could <laughs> take him. Out. I guarantee I could take him out and we could shoot a doe somewhere like before the, the end of the season. But like, kind of don't want him to shoot another deer secretly, yeah. you know? So I'm like, all right, I took him out last weekend and fortunately, we saw six year and a half old bucks came in and he, he could have shot a couple of them, but he wanted something bigger than what he had already shot, which is insane to me at eight years old. Right. Uh, but I was also kind of secretly relieved, like, OK, we don't need to shoot another little buck. We have plenty of meat in the freezer. Like, we're, we're good. So I was secretly happy that we didn't see any does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a weird year. I think COVID probably gave me more time to hunt, yeah. you know, just because, you know, most of the kids sports were canceled. For the most part, my son still had baseball for all, a decent part of the early into October. Um, but outside of that, there's just there's nothing else to do. So when I told my wife, like, hey, I want to go hunting, there was no like, oh, man, we want to go to the pumpkin patch or we want to go apple picking. Oh, or yeah. It was like there yeah. was really nothing else to do. And so it was like, all right, you know, go hunting. Have fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it was actually probably helped me a little bit. Yeah. I, I tell you what, it was uh, I would say that as far as a schedule was concerned, uh, having the kids on a hybrid model, uh, a learning or at home full time really screwed me because their, their learning, their, their, their zoom meetings were at three o'clock or three thirty in the afternoons. So that led all the way up until, you know, three, four or, you know, four thirty, and, uh, leaving the house at four 30 and trying to get into the tree stand. I don't have any properties that are that close. I don't live on, you know, a farm that I can hunt. So I would say as far as the, the being able to be flexible in the schedule kind of sucked, but the, the ability to plan in advance was better this year than it was yeah. in past years. So if I could, if I could get a daycare provider or if I could get my mother-in-law or my dad to help out, then I, you know, my wife was cool. She's just like, Hey, do I have backup? Yep. You got backup. Or I can send two kids over, you know, I can send my youngest kid and, and my, my older boy to the, uh, grandpa's for a day and a half and they'll be back. And yeah. Okay. If that's what, if that's, uh, you know, if that, if you can cover the bases, then you can go. And if I plan, man, it was a good, it was a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I'm, I'm, lucky that my wife does not work she unfortunately has to stay home with the kids much to her dismay sometimes um you know but it certainly makes my life a little bit easier in terms of flexibility for stuff like that yeah it's not so not so good on the monetary side of the world but sometimes you you trade for some of that flexibility so yeah i mean overall i think uh it was a pretty pretty good fall man i can't i can't really complain other than like i said it was I'm strange to be tagged out, you know, earlier, early ish in the season and, and miss those, those weeks of, of hunting. Um, but Hey, it is what it is. I can't complain too much. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there with unfilled tags that would love to be in that position, That's you know? So that's a fact. So let me ask you this. Um, me and you, our main farms that we hunt, we've been hunting them for several years, right? We kind of know the 
we know the strategy. We know the tactics that we need. We know, hey, I need to be in this wind direction or I need to you know, wait for certain times a year or whatever, right? I, the, the reason I'm asking this is because this time of year when it comes to podcasts or um, articles, you'll see a lot of what would you do different in 2020 or thinking back on strategy and tactics. How do you answer some of those questions or have any type of thought process on what you would do different when you kind of know what you have to do because you've been hunting a, a farm or a property for so many years? Sure. Well, I think that's one of the things about just outdoor media in general that can sometimes be misleading is we always need something to talk about. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're not going to get eyeballs on whatever your content is, whether it's written whether it's video, whether it's social media, it doesn't matter. Like you need eyeballs on it. So everybody's always looking for a new angle to come up with something to talk about to get people interested. And when, you know, the reality is I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, both the deer I killed on, on farms that I've been hunting for a long time, like I kind of just know, you know, what the deer do on those yeah. farms at, at different times of the year. Now it may move, it may change a little bit from year to year, depending on, outside factors, whether it's pressure or crop rotation or acorns or, you know, what, you know, water sources, whether we are in a flood or a drought, you know, there's things that are going to change. So you're always going to have kind of the minutia, like the, the having to move things around and make decisions based on that year's intelligence. But like from year to year to year to year, deer tend to exhibit the same general behavior and travel patterns on these farms you know, whether it was 10 years ago or whether it's today, they're still kind of doing the same thing. It's not even the same deer anymore, but they all behave similarly. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sure I learned anything, to be honest yeah. with you this year, other than like, okay, what I'm doing is working, so let's just keep doing that. Right. Um, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I need to come up with some sort of profound you know, lesson learned from my season, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I didn't really learn a whole, whole lot. I went to yeah. the first buck that I killed out of is a stand that three or four different people have killed good bucks out of in the last five or six years, you know, that hunt this farm. It's just a good spot. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not the first guy to have killed a good, a good buck out of it. Um, the second buck that I killed was definitely more of a, it was a run and gun, right? I went in that night and got up in a tree and killed that deer. And that was based on, movement that I had observed the last two or three seasons and why I was in that tree. Um, so there's always stuff to be learned, you know, but, um, I mean, I'll just keep doing that. You know, the, the more you can use your past experiences to base your future decisions, like I feel like the more successful you're going to be. Right. Um, there's the old saying we've heard a million times of like the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same results. I think I've fallen victim in the past to like, having a tree stand in a spot that I'm convinced is a good spot, but I never kill anything there or I never see anything there, but I keep going back. Cause I'm like one of these times, like, I know this is it, that this is going to be it. They got to come through here. And it's just, it never happens, but I keep going back. Um, I think of anything, I need to break away from some of those spots that I'm tied to just from an emotional perspective. Like yeah. I want to prove that it's a good spot and, I guess after enough years and I've proven it's not a good spot, it's time to, to go somewhere else. Right. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm to the point on my main farm that I spend a majority of my rut on is I've, I've, I've identified the pinch points, the travel corridors, the bedding areas. Right. And 
Yes, some of that can change year after year, or maybe sometimes it changes when they come through and log it like they did about four, four or five years ago, right? And then that changes the, um, the construction of the vegetation in there and whatever. But for the most part, the terrain is the same, and they're coming through the same areas at some point. It's just, it's again kind of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's, reinf- or it's reinforcing the fact that you can be 100% prepared, have the greatest access, have your tree or your stand in the best tree and the deer or group of deer that you want to kill don't come through that area while you are in the tree stand. And uh, that when you, when you, when you say it like that and think about it like that, it's almost, it almost pisses you off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, deer hunting has a tendency to piss you off <laughs> from time to time. Right. I always wanted to make a shirt that just said deer hunting sucks or I hate deer hunting, <laughs> like one of the two. Right. It's like so much of it can be so dang frustrating sometimes. And like I said, we get so emotionally involved in some of the decisions that yeah. we make that it's hard to to break free. It's hard to sometimes decouple your emotion from like your, your reasoning and your brain and what your brain knows you should be doing, but what your heart tell you you should be doing yeah i I tell you what i've this year and i know it's kind of uh i don't know it doesn't hold as much weight this year because i i i shot my buck off the ground as i'm walking to my tree stand you know based off of where he was at and where i was at connected at this time and space right and that's how that's how i got my deer and there's no there was no real strategy or tactic involved at with that hunt, but uh, I don't know. I I'm so I'm, I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Okay, so 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 what you're saying, right? So we say that to a certain degree, your hunt this year was just luck. It was right place at the right time. Yeah. But isn't every hunt always kind of that? Yes. Right. I yes. mean, I know we like to think that we are taking credit for like our great you know, ability to outwit and outsmart these deer. And some people seem to be better at it than others, but like sometimes it's just about being in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. You know? So sometimes I think we give ourselves maybe too much credit. Other times maybe not enough credit. So I I had weird, weird shower thought I had the other day. I, that's, I have multiple, uh, you know, experiences with that same, you know, train of thought this year, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm going into a tree stand that I killed my deer out of last year. It is the perfect bedding area. I have the perfect win. Oh man, I, I made it in here and not a deer got bumped. I made it into my tree stand, pulled my bow. I, you know, and now the wind, the thermals are right. It's just, you get excited as you're walking to, you're sitting in that tree, you're waiting for the sun to come down and the deer to start moving up a little bit. And one doe comes through. It's just like, yeah. uh, what, what just happened? What the hell? It, there's this huge letdown and you're like, God, you know, son of a gun. I, I just, and anyway, and so well, I'll give you, so I'll give you a funny story about that. So the the biggest deer I've ever killed was I don't know, 157, something like that. That's my biggest buck. In the morning that I shot him, I did not want to go to the tree stand that I was in. I wanted to go to a different stand, but I was hunting with a, uh, another guy in this farm, and he didn't know how to get to certain tree stands because he hadn't hung them. He was kind of a novice hunter. So 
I sent him to the tree stand that I wanted to be in. And I was like, crap, he's going to go to the stand I want to be in. There's really only like two other stands at work on a morning hunt on this wind. So I'm just going to go here. And I go to that stand. I end up killing the biggest buck I've ever shot in my life. You know, and, and then I think about that sometimes because it's like, I, I did hang that stand. I picked that tree. I did everything, you know, and ended up killing the deer out of it. But like the reality is, if it wasn't for this other guy being there that morning, I would have never went there. I would have went to a completely different stand and never been there. So it was like all these little chance things that always kind of happened to us along the way that happened to just put you in the right place at the right time. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I guess that the same could be said for probably everything in life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, when, whenever you met your wife, you know, what, what were you doing that day that, you know, you decided to go, to that place instead of somewhere else or whatever yeah. the case may be. There's all, you know, you could do that with every, everything in life. So let's, let's talk about that, this for a second. The, the people who kill big, big deer or mature deer, or, or we're comparing Hunter A against Hunter B. What do you think is the biggest category if you're, if we're going to put all these, uh, identify, you know, these characteristics or identifiers into categories, what are, in your opinion, the biggest or the most important, uh, category when it comes to a successful bow hunter? Um, I think that I kind of always have broken this down into two separate things. Like number one, just having, I call it just almost like an intuition. Some people just seem to know they're like deer whisperers. Yeah. You know, they just seem to know that this is going to be a good spot yeah. for whatever reason. And now those people tend to also put in a significantly greater amount of maybe time and effort and energy into scouting and learning and observing. But like, there's also just, there's no denying the fact that some people are just better at it than other people, right? In, yeah. in, in their, their woodsmanship and their ability to predict where deer are going to be at a specific time, you know? So that's kind of like, the first half like you have to be the i call that part like the actual the good hunter right somebody's got to be a, a, a good hunter the second part of that is you got to be a good killer you have to be able yeah. to execute at the time when you get a shot and i know some people that are good at both of those things and then i know other people that are much better at one of those aspects than the other and that can certainly affect their success like over the years i've traditionally looked at myself as a pretty good hunter not so much as a good killer, at least for a period of time. I feel like I've gotten much, much better at that in the last five to six years, knock on wood. Um, but I definitely went through a period of time where I was a much better hunter than I was a, a killer. I, I missed a lot of opportunities, errant shots, you know, just things going wrong at that that moment of truth, um, which some people just seem to be clutch, right? It's the guys that have the the ice in their veins when it, when it comes time to, to make that kill. And that's such an important thing. And that's something that I'm not sure that anybody can be taught. It seems to be, again, some people just have it. And I've always made the analogy of like the guy that's like up to bat, you know, bottom of the nine, two outs, you need a hit to win the game. And there's, there's some guys that are just clutch that are yeah. like always going to come through. And that's not everybody. Um, but I feel like the guys that are really, notable killers like they all seem to share that trait yeah that like when it's time to go they just they rarely if ever make a mistake yeah um and i think that separates a lot of good hunters from great hunters you yeah. could be a really good hunter and, and get close to deer and see deer and have opportunities but if you don't kill them it doesn't matter right yeah man i 
I agree with everything that you said. However, I feel that the biggest, most like impactful category, it's not necessarily a human trait, but it's a category, is the amount of time that people put into, you know, locating and identifying, right? Like for me, I feel that if I, I put more time as in hours or days on the main farm, checking trail cameras, scouting, um, you know, or going down to the public here where I hunt and, and checking the, you know, putting up trail cameras and scouting and, and more time in the tree stand, even during the fall, you know, both on and off season, then that correlates into having more opportunities at, you know, bigger, more mature deer because you just of a blanket effect really, or the fact that you can understand what the deer are doing in the specific area that you're putting more time into. And, and I always use this as a, um, I'll use this as an example. You take a, a, a hunting celebrity or a, someone with a hunting show that we all know that they have thousands of acres of highly managed land with a shit ton of uh, you know, food plots and uh, habitat improvement work where there are big giant deer on this farm because they're, you know, they're, they're farming them or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're, they're holding big deer. They're on their farm all the time. They're checking trail cameras all the time. They're doing whatever they need to do to locate and identify these deer, keep them on their farms. You give that same farm to a guy who is on it once a year. And yeah, he may be able to pull, you know, pull some of the deer off, but he won't do it in a consistent manner than the people who are on that property all the time, you know, spending their life basically doing it. I just feel sure. that. I just feel that for me, that the category of time has the biggest impact in, in how people are, are going to be successful in, in hunting. So that's my soapbox. I, I, I used to be a very firm believer in that. And I still do. I mean, there's no question. There's no questioning the fact that like, I always compare deer hunting to gambling, right? Right. I mean, the more, the more times you throw the dice, like the more likely you are to get lucky. You're probably going to lose a lot along the way, but I mean, your odds simply go up the more time that you spend in the woods. However, I mean, I know plenty of people that spend a lot of time hunting and don't kill very many deer. Yeah. Um, so I, so I, I believe that there's more to it than that. Um, I would say that if I had to, if I had to put the amount of time you have to hunt versus the quality of land that you have to hunt yeah. against one another, like, I think the quality of land that you have to hunt is, is far and away a, um, a more influential factor in your yeah. success Yeah, because you can have all the time in the world, but if you got a shitty spot, you got a shitty spot. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's no two ways around that. And not every piece of property is created uh, equally, you know, when it comes to, you know, obviously there's the easy things, just like the amount of habitat that is on it, the amount of food that is on it, um, but also the access to that land, um, the terrain and how it funnels or doesn't funnel animal movement. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of variations between pieces of property. And I know guys that hunt big pieces of highly managed property but they're just a real pain in the ass to hunt. Yep. And yep. you know, it seems like they're not as successful as they should 
B, based on, you know, from the outside looking in, it's always like, oh, man, that must be a great spot. But then you talk to the guys that are on it and it's like, yeah, it seems great, you know, when you look at it on a map or whatever. But in reality, it's a lot more difficult. And then there's some spots that are just easier to hunt than others. There's some trees that are going to produce every single year. I remember there was a guy years ago back in the hunting net days that hunted here in Illinois. And he had just the absolutely most amazing little piece of 20 acres or 30 acres, whatever it was, with a funnel on it, like a creek bottom that ran through it. He had It was all field with one little creek bottom. He had a huge, like, off-limits forest reserve on one side that had no hunting at all. It was a huge piece of timber. And on the other side was this giant, like, 2,000-acre private um, farm that had very little hunting pressure on it. And he sat right in between them on this little creek line. And every year, he would basically sit the same stand every day from November 1st until whenever he killed a freaking giant deer. I mean, he was killing let's say between a 150 and a 180 like clockwork every single year yeah. out of the same tree, you know? So, and everybody kind of looked at him like, Oh man, this dude's an awesome hunter. And there's no question. The guy was smart. You know, he wasn't an idiot. He knew where to sit. And eventually if he sat there long enough, a, a, you know, a good buck was going to work through that, that Creek bottom. And, and he was a, a killer and he was able to get the job done. Um, but it's also, you know, it wasn't the same as what we think in our minds as what's happening of, you know, going out and spending all this time scouting and hunting and figuring these animals' patterns out and out outsmarting them. It was kind of like I found the spot, and if I just sit here long enough, a deer is going to come through, and I'm going to kill it. Yeah. Um, so there's multiple ways to skin that cat. But I always, you know, I, I like to believe that certain pieces of property, um, they just hunt easier. Maybe they hunt bigger. Yeah. Um, the deer are a little bit more predictable in their movement and in, and in their habits. Uh, and you also run into the, you know, the genetic factor. Right. I mean, I killed a freaking five and a half year old deer this year. That was 142 inches. Right. Put me on a farm with much better genetics. Maybe that deer's a 180. Right. And then people are like, oh, Justin's hard. He's awesome. He killed killed a giant buck, you know. (laughs) But I mean, but the reality is like the last I was talking to some of my friends about this recently. I think like three of the last five bucks I've killed have been four and five year old deer. I don't think one of them's gone more than like 145, right. you know, but if I was on a farm with awesome genetics and those deer are 160s or 170s, I think people would look at you differently, which oh, is yeah. an interesting thing, right? They look at the number of inches that you kill as, as your prowess as a hunter. So let's talk about, you know, whether it's the Lukoskis, the Kiskis, the Drury's, like those guys got it figured out. There's no doubt about it. They've got a recipe for killing big deer they figured it out and they do it as good as anybody else in the world. But the reality is most of the time they're killing five-year-old deer, you know, but the five-year-old deer is 200 inches, not 140. So then yeah. somebody looks at him and says, oh, well, you're a, you're a better hunter than the guy killing the 140-inch five-year-old, even though that was maybe the biggest deer on, on, on your farm. Yeah. Uh, it's just an interesting way that, that we look at things. And, I, and it makes sense because it's the only real – tangible way for people on the outside looking in to to judge yeah. right is, you I can't mean, measure you can't measure an experience no way no. i mean i can i can measure my experience but i can't measure justin czar's experience on the deer that sure. he had shot this year so what do we do sure. we go to inches and the bigger the inches the better the hunter and uh that is laughable yeah. if you ask me it is and it bothers me Sometimes when I see people lead into their oh, stories. Jesus Christ. That pisses me off more than anything. More than anything. You know? 
That's yeah. pure rage hits me. <laughs> Booner alert, 200, you know, 170 inches hit the ground. It's like, uh, anything else you want to tell us? Nope. Here's my hashtag of sponsors. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes I, sometimes I get in trouble for not hashtagging enough sponsors. Oh, boy. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite the world. Quite the, quite the world. We're, we're both whores, though, Czar. We're, we're, oh, sell out. I sold out a long yeah, time ago, buddy. We're both still whores. Uh, <laughs> I'm just living in the lap of sold out luxury. That's right. That's right. All right. So there's that B- part of the BS session. Now, 2021. All right. It's like four days away or whatever it is. What's uh? What's your goal? Do you have any goals or things that you want to accomplish in 2021? Well, I'm going to start off 2021 by actually going on a late season bow hunt in Kentucky. Oh, nice. So like the first through the fourth, I'm going down there. I went in early December um, down there for a couple of days and I managed to get into a bunch of poison ivy again for my second time. So two trips to Kentucky, two uh, trips to the doctor <laughs> for poison <laughs> ivy. And uh, so this second time around, I did not think you could get poison ivy once the leaves have fallen. Oh, dude. And I found out that is incorrect. That's a rookie mistake. Well, I'm a rookie, clearly. Uh, So I climbed up a tree with a bunch of vines on it, and I was like, there's no leaves. We're good. And uh, it was like 50 degrees that day, so I was in a T-shirt when I was hanging my my stand. And uh, I was bear-hugging this this tree with all these vines on it. So needless to say, I came home, and I looked like a leper for a while and uh got on some prednisone and knocked that out it's just about healed up now so i'm ready for my next trip back to kentucky i will not be climbing any trees with vines um so yeah i'm starting the year off there um you know goal wise for me you know it's really going to be very similar to last year um i want to try to get my my son on a turkey during youth season here in illinois Uh, we tried last year but man the weather was just horrendous it was cold and windy and snowy is just really was a bad youth season so i'm hoping to get him on a turkey this year i really don't even care if i shoot one um i may just kind of burn my turkey season trying to get him on a bird uh this year so i'm going to start off there um going into the fall i am going back on another antelope hunt i was hoping to do a mule deer uh hunt with dustin this fall but what happened was because of covid last year he had a bunch of people that canceled their hunts that just didn't want to come and they pushed into 2021, so he just didn't really have very many openings. He could have squeezed me in by myself, but kind of wanted to go with a group of guys. So we ended up pulling the plug on the on the mule deer trip, and uh, we're just going to do another antelope hunt. It's just it's just a blast. It's a good time. It's fun. Yeah. It's kind of laid back, um, going with a couple guys that haven't gone before. Uh, so I'm going to start off my year in August doing that. Um, hopefully our elk trip, which got canceled this year and pushed into 2021 hopefully that happens this time around um so i'm really hoping to shoot my first elk this year if i had to pick like my number one kind of goal it would be that yeah um and then coming home from that um you know illinois kind of business as usual i really want to try to find um i really want to kill another 150 inch or better deer there was only one on any of my farms this fall my buddy mike killed him in october uh, of this year. So that cut my journey for a, for a 150 short. Um, so yeah, I want to try to find another 150 to, to shoot this, this coming fall. So those are my, those are my goals for this year. What, are, what about you, man? Um, so 
I don't know how many times I've ever I said this on on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, but you know my plan is to cash in uh, some points in Wyoming for uh, for an elk hunt. So I'd go to a I guess what you would call a a, a pretty good unit. I guess. Well, the COVID hit and um, things changed and or maybe some regulations changed in Wyoming and point creep hit pretty bad. Oh, so, dude, it's terrible right now. Yeah. So I was looking at uh, oh, Go Hunt, I think it is. Yeah. How many points do you have? I'll be drawing. If I draw this year, I'll draw with seven. So okay. uh, that's doable. Yeah. I think that's what Aaron. Warburton had this year when he drew his tag. It was seven, yeah. if I remember. So anyway, I end up. Uh, I actually called Dustin and I was like, "Hey, man, tell me, uh, you know, fill me in on some units because I don't want to. I, I don't want to hunt in a grizzly bear country. I don't think I'm ready for that quite yet. So sure. I'm heading far. So that's more like that's like the western, yeah, part uh, of the state, right? Yeah, northwestern yep. part of the state. Yep. So, um, so anyway, I start looking through Go Hunt and. 100% draw and 85% draw or 82% draw from last year to this year is now like seven and 54, the, those units. So, mm-hmm. oh my God, I, I just, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. So the, the two units that I've been really looking into are now higher and uh and the point creep not only hit that you know the units that i was looking into but looking into you know like all all units everywhere so i'm gonna have to kind of rethink what i want to do um if i want to do this do this wyoming thing cash all my points out or if i want to go to colorado again and uh do you know general a general tag in uh, over the counter tag in colorado again which that's tough to hunt. Um, yeah. I think I'm just going to find a unit, cash my points in and go. So, uh, go to Wyoming. I got, I'll probably schedule another call with Dustin to kind of get his input and, and see what he has to say about it. Or I think go, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him tomorrow night. I'll ask him. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go do that and, uh, see what happens. Then I'm going back to South Dakota. Uh, I, you know, before all this, I'm going to try to turkey hunt, you know, when it comes, like I always used to be on point with turkey hunting, like, Hey dude, I got to go, got to go. But now that my kids are in school, we don't, uh, the Iowa second season starts on a Friday and I can't like just leave to go turkey hunting unless I schedule this, you know, schedule this. Cause the, uh, before my kids were in school, my wife and I and the three kids would go down to my parents and my mom would watch the kids and me and her would go turkey hunt. Well, she's kind of past turkey hunting, right? I think for a while there it was, hey, I, I'm going to hunt with my husband because he turkey because, you know, he goes. It's something for us to do together. Now we're far enough <laughs> along in our relationship where she just doesn't give a shit anymore. So <laughs> why do something that, you know, I don't like to do, you know, 100%. So I don't think she's going to go turkey hunting with me. And it's back to just me by myself. But my goal is to try to get out and kill a turkey with my daughter with me, which means that I have to wait. A, I, I have like two days to do it then, right? I have, yep. uh, because then she goes back to school. So I might pull her out of school on a Friday and, and uh, take her turkey hunting with me. We'll see what happens. 
But turkey hunting, I'm going to do a lot more fishing this year. That's the goal uh, anyway with my my two oldest kids. Um, and then elk hunting, potentially in Wyoming. If not, I'll go to Colorado. Then South Dakota mule deer hunt, which I'm falling in love with that hunt, dude. It's not like I'm seeing magazine cover mule deer all running around all over the place, but I'm seeing good deer on public ground and lots of deer on public ground. And I don't know about you, but when you strike out um, on a hunt a couple times and you just want to go back because it's almost, it just keeps adding gasoline to that fire where now why do you think i'm going to kentucky (laughs) (laughs) three times in one year right i get it yeah yeah so yeah that's my goal man uh and then uh it's gonna be probably business as usual in iowa um and then you know my wife my wife probably never should have let me go to south dakota in december because now i know that she's okay with it so that's just more of the envelope for me to push her and her the envelope. Yeah, push the envelope and see what I can get away with and maybe find a a run and gun three or four day hunt in a state like Missouri that has over the counter tags or um you know uh Nebraska or you know another over the counter uh state where I can jump onto a piece of public and just shoot something, you know. So sure. we will see what that brings, but man, I just going back to South Dakota I love that place. I don't know if you have you ever hunted South Dakota. I have not Did drove it. through it on my way to Wyoming. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, well, th- this might be one of those places where you need to look into because it's awesome. Yeah. And for those who are listening, don't look into it because <laughs> it's not that really that cool, right? So. <laughs> don't worry, Dan. You no can't do any more damage than the hunting public's already done. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Oh, d- everybody I-, I talked to is like, man, the public was getting hammered this year. Yeah. Like worse than ever. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, it certainly was. Yeah. That's a fact too. And it's, and it obviously the COVID, but I wonder how much of the, you know, this, this new kind of media that's out there, this public land focused hunting that everybody's doing. Uh, and obviously the hunting public played a huge role in it, but I wonder how much of that this new media has truly impacted the way and where people hunt. Uh, I would say quite a bit. Yeah. I would say quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been hunting public land all that long. I think maybe four years now, yeah. you know, prior to that, I was, I had much the same opinion that a lot of people did, which is like, Oh man, I don't want to go to public. It's overrun with people your hunt's going to get screwed up. There's no deer there. Like screw that. Why, why would I go if I don't have to type of mentality? And then I had a few friends that, that were doing it here in Illinois and having some good success and seeing deer. And finally I got up the nerve to go do it. And I was like, Oh man, this is actually a lot of fun. Um, and that was right around the time when those guys were just getting started. Um, and you know, since then it's been a a hell of a boom in terms of, you know, the amount of people doing it. Um, I know a lot of people that I talk to that have been doing it for a long time that are like, man, the last couple of years, it's just like nonstop. And it's funny because I remember years ago doing the, you know, the trade show circuit and talking to, to Jared at, at Whitetail Adrenaline, right? Because I mean, the reality is like what THP is doing right now is, is what Whitetail Adrenaline has been doing for the last 
oh, decade yeah. or more. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. They just, they just, they just took it and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Jared and his crew are the original guys. And I remember Jared yeah. telling me one year, like, man, he goes, some of these spots in Kansas that I've been going to for years that we never see anybody. All of a sudden we roll up in there and there's a bunch of trucks all over the place and everyone's got white tail adrenaline stickers in their back window. <laughs> He's like, what have I done to myself? Right. You know, and it, it's one of those things where, you know, the guys that have been successful on public for a long time, like they've always kept it on the down low. Yep. You know, they don't, they don't, they weren't posting about it. They weren't telling all their friends about it. They're kind of trying to keep that a secret, you know, and the, the, the cat's out of the bag now. Um, so there's still definitely, you know, some good hunting to be had out there. There's no doubt about it. And I love the fact that it's, you know, getting some of the younger generation, you know, more inspired to, to get out there and go do this yep. stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, it might be a little bit more competition out there, but it, it's interesting to me. And I think you and I have touched on this before, how, you know, hunters as a whole in the hunting community and the hunting industry have long said, like, we're stronger if we stand together. We need yep. more numbers. We need more people. We got to recruit more hunters. But I had always said, like, where, where are all these hunters going to go? Because yeah. all these new people that we all want to recruit in there, like who's out there volunteering to be like, yeah, man, you just come hunt my spot with me. Right. Nobody's doing that. Right. Right. So <laughs> lack of access to land has always been one of the most challenging parts about getting people into hunting. Like someone's like, hey, man, I'm super interested in hunting. I want to learn how to do it. And maybe people are like, yeah, man, I'll help you. I'll get you out there. I'll bring you to my spot and let you shoot a doe. But, but right. I'm, you're not going to shoot the the big buck that I've been, you know, waiting on or passing or doing food plots and all this other stuff, trail cameras, scouting to try to, to shoot this buck. People aren't eager to just say, Hey, new guy, come out and, you know, shoot this animal. Um, and now I think what we're seeing is a lot of those folks are getting, you know, tuned into the, the whole public land thing. Um, I think, you know, for long-term sustainability, like how many of those people that really get into hunting are going to go try this, have a bad experience you know, for one reason or another, lack of animal sightings, too much pressure from other people, whatever. Are they just going to give it up yeah. and be like, you know what? This sucked. I, I tried it for a couple of years, cost me a lot of money and I didn't kill anything. So I'm done. I mean, I, I don't know if this boom is going to last forever, um, but you know, it is what it is. I think overall, all things considered, it's a, it's a good thing for, for hunting in general. Yeah. I mean, there's turnover just like in anything. I, uh, I remember when I was a kid, man, I was diehard. When I grew up, I'm going to be a skateboarder. So what do I get for Christmas one year? A skateboard. And I wanted to just be that skater die dude, bro, whatever. And I, you know, I rolled around my neighborhood on my skateboard. And then one day I stopped. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not a skateboarder anymore. So there's that. Yeah. Hunting is an interesting thing because it's something that we're so passionate about and, and, like I could never, the idea of stopping hunting just sounds like hell to me. Yeah. Like if somebody just forced me to stop, like it's the worst thing you could possibly ever do to me. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like I could give up pretty much any other hobby or pastime that I have. So it's always been an interesting thing to me. Like when, when people do give up, um, hunting, like they hunted for a while and they just like, don't do it anymore. I'm right. like, uh, what do you mean? You don't do it anymore. Yeah. How does that work? How does that, how does but, you just, how do you shut that off? Cause there's a lot yeah, of things so, that so, I wish I didn't do anymore. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing, but like I said, all things considered, I think, you know, the influx of, of new people and people enjoying the, the public lands that are out there is, is overall a net positive 
think there's still some good opportunities um, to be had out there. You just have to work for them. You know, nothing's a gimme. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, Onyx has really shed a light to all those places, right? I mean, so if if someone who's new wants to know where to hunt, the resources are out there for them to easily find public land these days. Sure. And as opposed there's to... A, there's a tale of caution to be had there, though, because... You know, whether you use, you know, Onyx or HuntStand or HuntWise or any of the, the, the mapping apps now, um, you know, just because something is shown as being owned by the state or the public or the whatever doesn't necessarily mean that it's open to public hunting. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception there, especially like, so we were in Nebraska recently when our elk hunt got canceled and we were talking to the outfitter because I, I, I did the exact same thing that anybody would have done. I grabbed my freaking... Uh, hunt stand and I fired it up and I started looking for pieces of public, you know, around the area where we were at just to see what was there. And I was like, Hey man, this piece right across the street from where we're hunting is, is public. And he's like, well, it's really not. He goes, and there's been a lot of problems because it's owned by the state, but then the state leases it out through some sort of program, you know, so it's not actually open to public hunting. But what happens is somebody grabs hunt stand or onyx or whatever, and they click on a piece and it says it's owned by the state and there's no, they don't dig any further and then they just go. Um, and then the people that have leased it, you know, are bitching and kicking them out and now they're having to post extra signs and do all sorts of stuff. So I, yeah. there's still a word of caution that just because something is owned by a public entity doesn't necessarily mean that it's open to public hunting. And that's the one thing that those mapping apps haven't really figured out yet. Yeah. So you do still have to do some, due diligence before you go getting yourself in trouble double check basically yep just yep. double check of yep. course yeah all right so it's that time of the podcast where you call your shot what are you where are you going to be successful uh, and just remember that bow hunting for elk in you're going to colorado right yeah i think success rate's like seven percent oh or thanks for that Dan. no i'm just telling well, you because i've on, been to colorado two times know, and well, struck out on a swanky fancy oh, private ranch with that's an outfitter right. outfitter okay it costs an arm and a leg so my <laughs> chances are pretty good okay you know, it's definitely higher than seven percent okay i got you i feel you all right so, so call your that's shots my, that's my reward for 11 years of busting my nuts with this show and this website and everything else we've been doing for the all oh, really 12 years now yeah so this is my treat to myself nice. uh calling my so that one doesn't count. That's an outfitted hunt. I'm not even, I'm just the trigger guy. Okay. That one doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> neither does the antelope hunt. Those, those are, those antelope are stupid. Automatic. Anybody can go kill. That's an automatic. That's a, if anybody wants to go on a Western hunt, that's outfitted and you don't want to spend a gajillion dollars and you want to go on something that's fun, warm weather, super high success rates, go on an antelope hunt. It is a freaking blast. Get a bunch of friends together. Go enjoy yourself because it's about as much fun as you can have shooting a big game animal with a bow and arrow. Um, so outside of that, that really just leaves my whitetails here in Illinois. Um, where and how am I going to be successful next year? It all depends on what deer survive until then and which exact farm I'm hunting. I'm going to go ahead and say the farm where I killed my second buck this year. Um, there's three deer out there that are alive as of the last day or two when my cameras checked in um i would really there's going to be a deer out there that's going to be six years old next year that i really would like to shoot i can't guarantee that i'll shoot him but i'm sure going to try my damnedest 
So if I had to call a shot, it would be it would be that deer. He's a big, big eight, clean eight pointer, big six year old fat deer. Not going to score a ton like every deer I kill, but that's the one I'm after. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I'll call my shots. Uh, I don't know. I don't have enough information to call my shot on Wyoming yet, but South Dakota, I'm going to kill a mule deer. I'm calling my shot. I'm pointing at the fence. I'm saying I'm going to shoot a mule deer. Now, is that a doe? Just a, I was just going to say yeah. a mule deer. A uh, mule deer. I'm going like, okay. I'm, I'm to the point now where I don't care if it has antlers. All I want is, is to shoot a mule deer so I can claim that I'm multi-species now at this point. Ooh. Right? I like it. Right? All right. So mule deer, uh, I'm going to shoot a mule deer. And then, so I'm five years deep on my run in Iowa for rut, you know, my rut vacation. I filled my tag the last five years. And uh, I, I feel like I'm going to do it again this year. My gut feeling as of <laughs> December of 2020 says that in November or late October of 2021, I'm going to do it again. And it's just because I feel real confident on where the deer are moving. But just like you, I got to find, I don't know really what that's going to be because there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement, moving parts on the properties that I hunt. And what I mean by that is what deer stick around, what deer move, you know, every single year crop rotation plays a huge role in that, but I feel like I'm going to get it done again in Iowa and uh, like the Pennsylvania, Michigan guys are going no shit right now. Like, duh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you should, <laughs> you should shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> so, other and other than that, man, it's just. Oh, and the other call my shot. Well, I'm not going to call my shot on that because I I hate calling my shots because I always end up looking like an asshole. Yeah, well, in the end, because I never actually fulfill them. But let's be honest. I feel like it's bad. It's bad luck. Yeah, it could be bad luck, but let's be honest, we're both kind of assholes. That's true. So One of my resolutions <laughs> for next year to not be such an asshole. I'm not sure I'm not sure how I'm going to accomplish this. You have, you have kids, dude. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> they are little bastards. And so, speaking of them, Christmas morning. Oh, here we go. My eight-year-old gets a bunch of new Nerf guns, yep. right? Everyone's opening presents. We're having a good time. He's already shot me a couple times. His brothers and sister, he shot them. I'm starting to get pissed. So I was like, look, Dick, stop <laughs> shooting people with your Nerf gun. Okay? No more shooting anybody. We're about to have breakfast. We're, we live-streamed church because we didn't want to go and wear masks and everything. So I was like, just chill out with the Nerf gun. I'm standing in the kitchen putting batteries in some sort of toy for my daughter. And my son shoots me in the face oh. with a Nerf gun. Oh, boy. Now, in his defense, he didn't mean to shoot me in the face. Nerf guns aren't the most accurate of things in the world. I was standing sideways. He's trying to shoot me in the shoulder. And it hit me, like, right in the temple as I'm looking down. Like, And I just, I lost my shit. Volcano dad has appeared. Dude, he was wearing shorts. <laughs> he was wearing shorts and a T-shirt with no socks on. And Christmas morning was cold as hell. I grabbed his ass by the neck. I drug him outside. We walked outside down the gravel path on the side of my house, and I made him throw his brand new Nerf gun in the garbage. <laughs> Literally 10 minutes after he just opened it, I made him throw it in the garbage can, freezing cold, 
And then I made him go inside and sit on the couch. Now I did secretly go back and take it out of the garbage. I was just trying to prove a point. <laughs> That's but man, awesome. I was pissed off. Oh man, I, I tell you what. So my kids and some of these Nerf guns are pretty powerful, right? Yes. So they they whenever they hit, they pack a little bit of a wall up. And so one day my son and daughter were playing with Nerf guns and they shot my mount. They were shooting my deer mounts on the wall, which, you know, okay. My kids do that a lot. Yeah. So and they say smoked them. Smoked them. When they when they hit them, smoked them. Yep. So I said to my, I said to him, I, I, I grabbed both my kids. I took them out to the garage and I said, listen, guys, I can't really be mad at you for shooting a mount, you know, a deer mount. We have a target in the backyard. So if you want to go shoot a deer, go shoot that. I got this little printout that uh, also is in the shape of a deer. We can hang that on the door and you can shoot that. But if one of these mounts falls off the wall because of you, you're sleeping in the garage. This is where you will sleep from now on. <laughs> oh man, my daughter started crying at that one. And my son was like, dad, you can't do this. I'm like, bullshit. If you knock my mount off the wall, this is where you will sleep. And God, <laughs> they stopped shooting my mounts. <laughs> so that is fantastic. Just, well done. Parent, parenting at its finest. Yeah. Right. Uh, parenting through fear. My favorite way to go. <laughs> that's how I was raised, man. <laughs> Hell Yeah. And look at us. We turned out <laughs> That's a fact. Hey, hey, man, you have a good one. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Good luck Thanks, to man, you, you uh, on the, the upcoming year, your, your trip to uh, Kentucky to en- end up this season and then whatever you got going on. If anything on. exciting happens, I'll let you know and then we can come talk about it. Absolutely. And the last time I was in Kentucky, I ran into some guy in the absolute middle of the woods, the middle of nowhere. And we were we walking past each other. I was coming out, and he was going in, and he goes, not every day you run into a celebrity. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, I can't go anywhere. Super nice guy, though. We ended up exchanging phone numbers, and he'd been hunting there for a while. Really, really cool guy. I will say that's one of my favorite things about hunting public land the last few years is some of the really cool people that you meet while you're out there doing it. I thought you were um, going to say celebrity recognition. No, man. <laughs> I've met a lot of really just, just nice people. Yeah. Just nice down to earth people willing to, to chit chat and, you know, walk out together, give you their phone number if you need help dragging or tracking and stuff like that. It's just, um, it's been a cool experience. Absolutely. All right, brother. Good luck. Have a good one. And Thanks, buddy, uh, you too. we'll talk to you later. Really appreciate your guys' time. Thank you for making 2021, or Jesus, I don't even know what year it is. Thank you for making 2020 uh, an awesome year. Uh, We had our biggest year yet on the Sportsman's Nation, and all of that is because of you who are listening and take part in this community that we've built. Uh, Man, I really appreciate that. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles, the Average Conservationist, Vortex Optics, Ozonix, Wasp, Lone Wolf Tree Stands. Please go out and support those companies because they've supported me all of 2021 or all of, Jesus, all of 2020 and uh they they make what i do possible therefore you support them and this this uh symbiotic relationship continues so uh thank you thank them uh dude have i hope you had a great year i hope you all of your dreams came true your goals were accomplished and last but not least Sit down, think about what you want to accomplish for 2021 and then go out and make it happen. And uh, dude, you could have a 
2021 could be your greatest year ever and you don't even know it yet. So, uh, uh, good luck. Love you guys. And, uh, man, we'll talk to you next time.